And uh, we really did well with those guys. We really honoured them. Just like I honoured the vet, we honoured our missionaries. It's all about honour, guys. It's all about honour. If, you know, the world says, ah, oh, the church is all it's after is your money. Well, yeah, go to the vet and see what they want. Go to the vet. Oh, I never heard anyone say, oh, the vet, all they want is your money. I'm not taking my dead dog there or my, you know, my... Man, I saw people taking their, their pets like they were, like they were, they, like their own babies. I saw more care to their pets than I've seen with some parents to their, to their children. And, and just going, have it, whatever it needs to put a smile on that little doggy's face. That little kitten, that little dog, that little budgie. Whatever it costs. And slap the, the plastic down and they come to church. And, and you know, and we, we gave great, we, we, you know, we did really well with the jury. But we've got to get across that hurdle that when we give, we've got to see in return. You know, we have no, no dramas in, in giving, maybe for jury and say, wow. That's what I got for my giving. But the whole deal with having your spiritual eyes open is that when you give, you've got to trust God that that is honouring him, that there will be a return and there will be a consequence. That's the same deal with prayer. Prayer is the same thing. That if I lift my prayer up to God, that there will be, that, that there will be a response. It's all about faith. But, you know, it's, it's hard because... You know, we want to see. We're so governed and and ordered by the world. We're so, you know, we want to see what we what we give to. We want to see a result. We have no troubles giving to things that you know, shoes and food. But giving to God is all about faith, and that's what we're going to be judged for at the end of the day. Guys, I want to speak to you about a message and I want to go through it just, you know, quickly. And um, it's, about, it's about this. It's, o- it's about opening our spiritual eyes, the eyes of our heart. The, the, you know, uh, when you were saved, your spirit was given privilege to see. And, and some people have been awakened to God, but they are still not allowing themselves to see. And Julie is doing this prophetic course on Wednesday night and man, people are coming from other churches and you've got 40 odd people coming here and, and they're, they're, they're getting an understanding how they're wired that even when they sleep they are seeing. Is that right? That even when they sleep they're still seeing and that in every situation they see. And I thought about this yesterday. I would, I would guess that a lot of my perception of life is, uh, and I, I would say this, that I tried to give a ratio. I would say 40% of my seeing is spiritual. 40%. I'd like to think it was more, but I'll be modest, modest and say 40% of when I walk through life, Rob and Marjorie Lamrock, I think, are with us. Is that cool to say? Have you, have you, are you with us now, joined our family? Stand up, guys, just quickly. Just quickly, guys. Give, them, give it up for these guys. Awesome. Awesome. Bless you guys. Future days of blessings are on your way. And, of course, we know Cameron 
and Sarah, five children, are with us from Bal on the Sea Street. Of course, we all know that. And they're here and he'll be in the airways again, I think, tomorrow or sometime. But bless you guys. Men's ministry. I want you to think about that over Christmas. Who can see Cameron running the men's ministry? Yeah. Amen. So I had coffee with him Friday and I really see him heading up the men. I thought about this. When I walk through life, I think probably even more than 40% of my visuals is the eyes of my heart operating. I see in the natural, that's how you live a real life, but, but 40% of my vision is trying to interpret what God is doing around me. In every encounter I have with everyone, I'm looking at that person and trying to work out spiritually what the heck is going on here. Just like we, I had coffee with you and the salesman that does the bus stop signs, he, I said to come to our coffee place, Glee's Coffee, and I said, come there and I'll sign your documents there. But he did do coffee with us and that whole 10, 15 minutes, I'm trying to work out with my spiritual eyes, my spiritual ears, how we can bless this man who is retired, he's been high up in the media, he's, uh, he's quite an accomplished businessman, he's done very well for himself and he's just now back out on the road just for something to do. But we had privilege to do a coffee with him, but that whole time I'm thinking, my God, and we're shooting the breeze about normal stuff, aren't we, Cameron? But the whole time I'm thinking, man, he would do well to get saved, this guy. He could easily get saved. Now, how can I do that? But we didn't have, I, I didn't feel like we got much of a, uh, an opportunity to say too much more than what we did. But living life. Okay, so there's young families here. You're growing up kids and um, life becomes busy and you think God's distant. And um, especially for mothers who get very busy, and it's very intense, you maybe think God is distant, but God is not. God is always around you. God's grace is always toward you. And it's about disciplining yourself to keep your spiritual eyes open. Now, that can happen supernaturally, uh, like I will point out in some of these stories. Or you can just discipline yourself to do that yourself. To try and keep your eyes open is about disciplining yourself in faith, in prayer and allowing the Holy Spirit to, I guess, cultivate in you a level of spiritual vitality. Am I speaking to someone this morning? So let's look at this. Let's have a look at the first scripture in, uh, it's the Amplified Version in Psalm 119, verse 17 to 20. Who, who doesn't mind a few scriptures, Amen. Let's have a look at the Old Testament eventually, but then the New Testament of how I believe spiritual eyes are open. Let's have a look at this in Psalm 119, verse 17 to 20, and it says this, Be generous with me and I'll live a full life. Not for a minute will I take my eyes off your road. I love this version. Open my eyes so I can see. Who's crying that out? Who's, 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 wanting, who's wanting that? What you show me of your miracle wonders. Some people might say, I don't see anything happening around my life. I don't see God. I don't see your Jesus. 
I don't see the church in all its glory. I don't see the carols doing a great work. I don't see the reason for giving. I don't see the reason for prayer. I don't see the reason for why that businessman should get prayed. I don't uh, get saved. I don't see it. But open my eyes so I can see what you show me of your miracle wonders. I'm a stranger in these parts and we are on planet earth. Give me clear direction. My soul is starved and hungry, ravenous, insatiable for your nourishing commands. Don't you love that? Isn't that powerful? Awesome. And so I want to point you to a few instances of eyes being opened. And it will bless you. It will really bless you. Let's have a look at this. Uh, let's have a look at this first one. I've just jotted down some scriptures and hopefully I will be able to work something out from it. It says in 2 Kings 6.17, 2 Kings 6.17, it's about Elisha and he's praying. And of course, Elisha is in a predicament. There's the onslaught of the enemy and um, he's in a quandary here. They say he's brought this upon the Israelites, he's brought this upon himself and he's in a bit of strife and this whole army is coming around uh, Elisha and the people of God. But Elisha, guess what? He has spiritual eyes. He can see. He's a prophet. He's intuitively hooked up 24-7 with God. This guy is awesome. He can know what to do in any given moment. And he's so in connection with God, he knows absolutely the will of God, the voice of God, and what God's people should be doing. So in 2 Kings 6.17, and Elijah prayed, O Lord, and he's speaking this about his servant. His servant is saying, oh my God, we're under attack. Look what's happening, the world's fallen down. The enemy's coming and we're going to be defeated and it's not looking good. Have you ever had times like that? You ever gotten anxious and you got yourself so, you know, undone? Oh my God, now what? Christmas is upon us. I've got no money. I've got, ah, the holidays. Ah, the kids. Ah. But Elisha says, Elisha, who can see spiritually, Oh Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. The Lord can open your eyes. The Lord can open your eyes. That's what I'm praying this morning, guys. That your eyes be open. Why do I go to C3 Church Tugra? Um, I'm not sure. Because you're looking in the natural. But those ones who see in the spirit go, I know why I go to C3 Church Tugra. I know why I give. I know why I come here to worship. I know why we're putting the carols on. I know why the SG youth is alive and well here. I know what we're doing with the children there, teaching them the word of God. I see this. See, it's about having your eyes open. And so, oh Lord, open his eyes, Elisha cries out. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I love this story in Numbers 22, verse 31. This is a great story, story of Balaam. And um, he's a heathen prophet, say, and again, God's enemy, Balak, I think, uh, Balak is, 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 um, Balak is the king of another nation that is wanting to take out God's people. And he wants them cursed. And Balak 
tracks down Balaam, the prophet, the heathen prophet, and says, Balaam, I want you to curse out God's people. You're a prophet. What you say goes. If you curse them out, they're going to be cursed. And so this is a story of Balaam trying to do his darndest to answer that call, to respect and honour the king's wishes and to curse out God's people. But you know the story. For the sake of time, he mounts a donkey and the donkey sort of is seeing things in the supernatural. And, 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 and the story goes that the donkey pushes Balaam's foot against this wall through this tight spot. The donkey and with Balaam the prophet on the donkey, they're going to the king, going to the king. And then all of a sudden the donkey pushes the, uh, pushes the foot of the prophet against the wall and just, what are you doing donkey? Go, go, go. And he starts beating on this donkey and ill-treating it and stuff like that to the point where the donkey turns around and speaks to Balaam and says, what, are, what is your problem? In Eddie, Murphy's voice. In, Eddie, in Eddie Murphy's voice. What is your problem? I'm trying to save your... Uh, because the whole time the donkey can see this is not God's will the donkey is actually seeing angels before him saying, don't do it, donkey, don't do it. Balaam's blind to the fact, but don't do it. In the end, the angel, God opens the eyes. Let's have a look at this. God opens the eyes of Balaam. Then the Lord, Numbers 22 verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn so he bowed down and fell face down. Do you love that story? And so, I've got to finish this story because I've made my point, but Balaam goes to God's people. He stands up high and he looks down upon God's people and, and he says to the king Balak, he says, well, I've got to go away. Before I can curse them, I've got to get, I've got to get this divine inspiration from God and, and, and I'll do that and I'll come back and you've built seven altars and we'll do that. We'll come back and I'll curse them. And, uh, and you'll be happy. And he goes to meet God and God directly speaks to Balaam and said, no, you must bless my people. My people are blessed. C3 Church Tugra are blessed. You better bless them. So he comes back and he goes, oh, no. Oh, my God. Oh, your people are blessed. There's none fairer. They are the, the Lord's apple of his eye. No, the king's going, no, you can't do that. And so three or four times he goes back and says, I'll try again. But And each time the Lord says, you bless them. And every time Balaam had to bless God's people. Isn't that amazing? I love that story. Uh, the story of Ishmael and Hagar. And again, uh, for time, Ishmael and, uh, and Hagar, the mother Hagar and Ishmael, the child, they've been booted out of Sarah's camp and Abraham's camp. They don't. You know, it's causing bother now. And so they're pushed out and they're going to perish. She starts to sob and weep. And, and of course, God then opens the eyes of Hagar, the mother, to a well, to water, which they need. And God says to uh, Hagar, it's all going to be fine. Uh, Genesis 20, 21, 17, God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, 
What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, so he'll make him into a great nation. This is talking about the future of the Muslim nation, of course. 21.19, then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin and water and gave the boy a drink. No wonder the Muslims think they're blessed for an intervention like that. No wonder the Muslims think they're blessed. Amazing. Uh, Psalm 119, uh, verse 148, my eyes stay open through the watches of the night. This is for Julie and her prophetic crew. This is for her, Psalm 119, verse 148. Who's a bit like this? Even when you're sleeping, you're seeing, you're seeing our church blessed, you're seeing people around you blessed, you're just downloading. Some people go to sleep and that's it. Who's like that? Who goes to sleep and that's it? The lights are out. Who's a bit like that? that Dave, you're, you're a bit like me, I think. I don't I wish to have more God dreams, but it's just not happening. I go recess, I go back to when I was a kid, or I have crazy dreams. But who has God dreams that, that like this scripture says, that even when you're sleeping, my eyes stay open, the, the, the eyes of my heart stay open through the watches of the night, that I may meditate on your promises. Isaiah 42.7 talks about a time that will come prophetically to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. You know you can sit in darkness without spiritual sight. This scripture is alluding to the fact that one day something amazing will happen, that people's eyes will be open to God, that people's eyes will be open to the love of God, that people's eyes will be open to their destiny, to God's calling on their life. And we know how that, that was fulfilled. I should back it up to the story of Genesis 3-7, when the eyes, 3-7, it says, I know I'm giving Tim a hard time because I've put all these out of order. Sorry, Tim. Genesis 3-7 says, then the eyes of both of them were opened. And this is talking about Adam and Eve, when their eyes were opened out of innocence to sin. So that, that can be like when people first come into contact with the gospel, with God, and they go, oh my God, I am a sinner. And then, of course, there's an opportunity to get saved. you know what I'm saying? Some good stuff about this. I could really tease this out big time. Um, Numbers 24.16 says, The oracle of one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are open. Isaiah 35 verse 5 then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped, meaning that these eyes that are blind to God again, blind and uh, they can't see God high and lifted up, they can't see the creator of the universe, they can't see the purposes and plans of God, they just can't see on the horizon of their best life, the, 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 the life that God has for them. And of course, if you go into, um, I guess, chapter... Well, Luke 7:18, when Jesus is ministering and John the Baptist is in jail and he says, is he the one, is he the one that, that we're waiting for that will really open the eyes of the blind? And, of course, it says in Luke 7:21, and at that very time Jesus cursed, uh, at that very time, now let's go down to here, John 9, 10. Oh, no, let's... Take it to Luke 7.21. And at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many. When I say sight in this regard, Jesus, 
they say is talking about spiritual sight and physical sight. So let's read this again. At that time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messenger, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. What you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, meaning that they can see the kingdom. The lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. I love that. It's talking about there actually, and, and the last, I think the last verse says, and he that does not stumble on this fact that I am Jesus making this happen will be blessed. So Jesus is right there alluding to that scripture back in Isaiah, but he's saying it's spiritualized and physicalized. Has anyone ever wondered why spiritual eyes? Why does it talk about prophetically, uh, you know, opening blind eyes? Was there so many blind eyes? It's the two. It's the physical and the spiritual. Just understand that. Luke 4.18 alludes to this again. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Does that help in the context of what I'm talking about? Spiritual eyes, not just physical, but spiritual as well. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Who loves the story of the disciples walking on the road with Jesus on the road to Amimaeus? Jesus has just died. This is his first uh, appearance almost to, to, to the world again. And there's this disciple, I forget what his name is. Um, I think his name, yeah, Cleopas, that's right. And he's walking, he's got another mate there and they, they walk him with this stranger, they think. And they're walking along and, um, and then something happened. And of course, after that short journey, when they were talking to this stranger, the two disciples talking to Jesus, the two strangers were talking, two, two strangers talking to Jesus saying, haven't you heard, stranger, of this man called Christ Jesus and who has said he was and all the stuff that happened around his life and, and uh, the strangers, Jesus is acting a little bit naive in some sense and said, yeah, yeah, I sort of, yeah, yeah. Oh, you got to heard. There's such a big commotion in Jerusalem. But after that walk, the strangers invite this, uh, this man, this stranger, to uh, have supper with him. And of course, in the act of this supper and communing with the stranger, this happens. And this is talking about intimacy with God and having fellowship with God. This can happen when you start to pray and to have time with God. Luke 24:31 says, Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while, we talk, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Do you love that? That as they were talking to Jesus, their hearts were actually burning. They go, man, something about this dude. Man, I know he's acting a little bit coy, but wow, he's, you know, there's something about him, you know. And, and of course, then Jesus reveals himself. And then all, all of a sudden, they realize, oh my God, it's you, Jesus. 
And uh, it's awesome because it tells me that even in communion, the breaking of bread, that something amazing can happen in the sense of your eyes being open to God. I think God is just trying to tell us something that it's in that intimacy. And of course, the last one, we know the story of Saul. Saul's a Pharisee and um, he's the persecutor of the Christians. He's on his way. He's got the orders to persecute God's people. And a blinding light from heaven takes him out and he falls off his horse and God, Lord, uh, it's you, it's you. And, um, and of course, we know the story. He was blinded for three days and, um, and something happens after that three days. His eyes are opened. I think God must have had to shut his normal eyesight down for three days to reconfigure him. He was so bent on taking out the Christians that God so blinded him that he was stuck in this predicament where God can do a number on his soul, do a deep work. I don't know. I'm just getting this image of Paul, Saul, who's so like a Pharisee. He can't see Jesus. He can't see the, 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 the New Testament coming. But some, something happened in that three days that when the Bible says... His eyes were opened. He went and was baptized. Straight away, he went and was baptized. In fact, he went from there quickly and shortly to preaching about Jesus. And we talk about, uh, I heard one commentator say, his eyes were opened to sin, not so much as sin like Adam and Eve, but his eyes were opened to the Saviour, Jesus Christ. And so many, so many people can actually be, their eyes can be open to sin. Oh, yeah, I, that could be right. I could be a sinner. That could figure in the terms of who God is and who I am. And they get that awakening. And then they have a Saul encounter where they go, oh my God, it, Jesus is. Like the blinding light. Something happens. They go to a meeting. Some, someone prays for them. Something happens. And like Saul, bang, blinding light. They go, oh my God, Jesus is. He's been there all the time. He's here right now and he's here forevermore. Some people have that. And, and, and Paul was actually explaining this to King Agrippa, that I've been sent to open blind eyes. And the scripture goes on saying that, that King Agrippa recognised he was a sinner. And he recognised that Jesus Christ was Lord. But then the, the statement says, by King Agrippa, it says that um, something to the effect, you nearly made me a Christian. You nearly got me. You nearly, King, King Agrippa says, Paul, I can see that's true. And in actual fact, I nearly fell for it. I nearly became a Christian myself. And you know, that can be a lot of people that they can, no, they know they're sinners that they know Jesus Christ is Lord, but the final choice is with us to say, God, I'm in. I'm here. I'm in your kingdom. Uh, you're Lord. I'm following you. And apparently they say that baptism of fire that Saul received, that Saul received, that allowed him 
to be baptised not only into salvation in Christ but into serving God because he served God for the rest of his days. Do you love that? And, 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 and that's another deal. Some people have not really had that awakening and that baptism of fire to want to serve God or to ultimately allow Jesus Christ to be Lord of their life. And I thought, man, this is such a good message for us at this time, to have our eyes open, to see continually the grace of God around us, to see the miracles and the wonders of even this week, the stuff that's happened. Not to see them in the natural and say, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah, that was good, Burke, the church out there. Yeah, that was going to happen anyway, you know. Now these guys have come back and go, our eyes are open. Burke's on fire for God. There's a, the hand of God is on Burke. My God, Burke used to be like this, but Burke's like this now. God is working in Burke. More power to that work. Praise God. And, you know, same deal here, C3 Church Tugra. Yeah, I go to C3 Church Tugra, but, you know, yeah, I believe Jesus Christ is Lord, but I'm still not ready to serve God like some of those people are, to do the great works and the exploits like they do, to serve, to be leaders, to be whatever. And I just suggest that, Lord, right now, let's all stand, God bless you. And, Father, right now we stand. We stand before you. Acts 26, verse 18. Paul said, I was sent. He says to King Agrippa, I was sent. This church was sent. You were sent. We were sent to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, Paul goes on to say in the book of Ephesians, he says this about us. He says this about the, 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 the church in Ephesians, which is absolutely the most successful church example I think we have in the Bible of a church that had its spiritual eyes open. It's in Ephesians 1.18. Let this be our prayer right now. Just close your eyes if you could. Thanks, guys, for being patient. Lord, I'm standing before people that know Jesus. They know that they were sinners. They know they're saved by grace. That, dear God, we know we've had a blinding light like Saul. We know Jesus Christ is Lord. But, Father God, I pray that our heart would be opened to the love, to the grace, to the mercy. That's only through you, Jesus. That it's your kingdom all around us speaking volumes of the great sacrifice that you paid, Lord. And I pray that we would be a church that would open the eyes of the blind, especially at this carols event, Lord. Let the eyes of people, hundreds of people be opened as they sing carols, as they sing and exhort the Lord through the carol singing. Let the heavens be opened over this, over this property. Let the heavens be opened over that event. Let there be a huge revival of eyes awakening. You said, Lord, you said through your servant, the Apostle Paul, in Ephesians 1.18, I pray, I pray also that C3 Church Tugra, that your eyes of your heart 
may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious